your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 478 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And I just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It is Thanksgiving Eve as I'm recording this. It is Thanksgiving Day at the earliest when you are hearing this. And the Rangers, uh, just about an hour or two ago, wrapped up a very impressive 4-1 to victory against a shorthanded Islanders team. Obviously, they were without a lot of their players. They had seven guys out due to being on the COVID list and another three key players out due to injury. And it's one of those games where I think the Rangers overall played pretty well. And it's a situation where I think the best way that I can surmise this is that the Rangers simply took care of business in this one. Obviously, we know over these past couple of seasons, last season in particular, the Islanders have really had the the Rangers number. The Rangers won only two of the eight matchups this past season. And obviously, this is a situation where you really got to come away with two points if you're the New York Rangers. I realize it's Rangers-Islanders. I realize it's a rivalry game. I realize that, you know, records and Losing streaks. Obviously, the the Islanders came in with six consecutive losses. All that stuff goes out the window when these two teams are playing each other. But the bottom line is the Islanders came in without 10 players, a game that Rangers absolutely had to have, and they indeed got it. They get two goals from Chris Kreider, who continues his just unbelievable start to this season. We get two goals from Kevin Rooney as that fourth line continues to impress and turn heads every single night. Obviously, they've kind of reshuffled uh, the, the line combinations a little bit, and we'll get into that in a little bit as well. Uh, but that fourth line, which had been comprised of Kevin Rooney centering Dryden Hunt and Ryan Reeves now has Kevin Rooney centering Barclay Goodrow and Ryan Reeves and Dryden Hunt has since moved up to the second line alongside Artemi Panarin and Ryan Stroman we'll get into all that like I said but it really is nice to see that fourth line uh, go out there and just continue to uh you know, be the Ranger blue-collar line, and tonight actually chipping in on the score sheet as well. I believe that was only the third multi-point game of Ryan Reeves' career, and it was just the the actually the first uh, multi-goal game of Kevin Rooney's career. And it's funny because we did a crossover episode with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. That was our most recent episode. Uh, you can go back and check that out if you'd like. But, you know, we're doing predictions and just talking everything Rangers and Islanders. And one of the kind of off-the-wall predictions that I made coming into this game I mean, first of all, I predicted that the Rangers would win 3-2. to two. I just had a feeling it might be kind of a grinded-out game, despite the Islanders, you know, obviously missing some players. Uh, fortunately, the Rangers pulled away, and uh, it wasn't one that we had to sweat out at the very end. The Rangers had this game well in hand by uh, late in the third period. But the oddball prediction that I threw out there was that Dryden Hunt was going to have a multiple-point night for the Rangers. The way I saw it, I figured Hunt would probably be on the top line where we saw him end the most recent game, and he'd be out there with Mika Zibanej and Chris Kreider. Uh, Hunt plays hard, and you figure, you know, maybe he, uh, I don't want to say lucks his way into some points, but, you know, benefits from playing with Mika and Kreider, and ends up on the score sheet twice. And if I had picked either of the other two Ranger fourth-liners, I'd be looking like a genius right now. I'd be, I'd be uh, in a pretty good spot because Kevin Rooney, two goals, 
Ryan Reeves, two assists. And in fact, Reeves' assists were both of the primary nature. He set up Rooney twice for a couple of uh, goals from the doorstep. But uh, yeah, just overall, a really, really solid performance from the New York Rangers. Uh, we will get into uh, the line combinations in just a second here. In fact, let's go ahead and just dive into it right now. Uh, so for starters, you had Mika Zibanejad centering Chris Kreider and Capo Caco. And we saw Kreider, another two tipping goals for him. Mika Zibanejad, at least one assist. And uh, Capo Caco had an assist as well. Caco's point streak now stands at five consecutive games. Without looking this up, I got to believe that's a personal best for Capo Caco uh, thus far in his young NHL career. But uh, yeah, Caco gets a secondary assist on the second goal by Chris Kreider. And Mika Zibanejad got the primary assist on that goal as well. I got to be honest, guys. I would not have split Caco away from Panarin and Strom. I mean, Caco's playing great right now. And maybe that's part of Gerard Gallant thinking is that he can move him up and down the lineup and he's up and down the lineup excuse me and he's still going to deliver but the way I see it we over these past handful of games here have witnessed Capo Caco play the best hockey that he's played since coming into the NHL I mean I, I don't even know if that's even really up for debate and so the last thing that I would want to do is upset the apple cart you know it's kind of the old if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of argument and if Kako is finally kind of starting to spread his wings a little bit and he's playing better hockey than we've ever seen him play since he's been on the New York Rangers, I'm not going to mess with that. I think I would have left him with Stroman Panarin and probably put Hunt on the top line along with Mika and Kreider. Now, obviously, they didn't do that. Uh, the second line, as we mentioned, Ryan Strom centering our Timmy Panarin and Dryden Hunt. Uh, they had a solid night. You know, Ryan Strom picked up a primary helper on a goal by Chris Kreider. That was actually the Rangers' first goal of the game. But uh, Artemi Panarin, a rare night uh, being held off the score sheet. I thought the line looked fine together, and I'm certainly willing to give Hunt a little bit of leash there. I think he's earned it uh, just with his play on the fourth line so far this season. It'll be interesting to see if they stick with these same trios uh, in the next game going forward here. The third line was untouched. You had Philip Heedle centering Alexi Lafreniere and Julian Gauthier. Nice to see that Gauthier is you know finally starting to stick in this lineup a little bit. Of course, part of it is born out of necessity, given the fact that, you know, again, Sammy Blay is out for the season. So, uh, yeah, we'll see uh, how that line continues to fare. I thought they had a decent night tonight. And then uh, the fourth line, you know, can't say enough about what these guys did. Kevin Rooney centering Barclay Goodrow and Ryan Reeves. So, uh, yeah, overall, uh, thumbs up for me as far as the line combinations are concerned. Like I said, I probably would have left Kako with Panarin and Stroman, had Hunt with Mika and Kreider, but obviously it worked out tonight. A convincing 4-1 win for the New York Rangers over their arch-rival New York Islanders. And then the only other lineup change for this game was that uh, Nils Lundqvist was back in there for Jared Tenorti. I could be completely wrong about this, you know, but I'm going to make a prediction right now that I don't think Jared Tenorti is going to be back in the lineup necessarily all that soon. Now, I'll say this, and he'll be right back out there uh, for the Friday afternoon game against the Boston Bruins, but I don't know. I just feel like Nils Lundqvist has played well enough that you can justify having him in the lineup, and Jared Tenorti just frankly, has not been that good for the Rangers. And I get the feeling, even if there is a situation where the Rangers want to you know, sit down Nils Lundqvist for another game, give him a breather, give him a mental break, whatever you want to call it, I think we could maybe, maybe see Libor Hayek make his season debut. I mean, the guy's been a healthy scratch the entire season. We're approaching the 20-game mark. We're almost a quarter of the way through the campaign. Let's give Libor Hayek a game. I mean, he's still here. I think in a perfect world, the Rangers would probably uh, trade him and, uh, you know, get a mid-round draft pick in return for him because right now it just does not seem like Libor Hayek has much of a future with this Ranger team, either in the short term or in the long term. But while he's here and while you're trying to trade him and try to establish at least some value for him, let's give the guy a game. You know, if, if you're going to take Nils Lundqvist out of the lineup again, let's toss Libor Hayek in there and, rather than Jared Tenori. That's my two cents on the matter. And, uh, you know, we'll continue 
monitoring that situation, obviously, and we'll continue talking about this Ranger win in just a second. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And something that I was thinking about as this game was kind of unfolding here, uh, and something that I wanted to discuss on this episode, is the very simple fact that, and I think this is something that's a very encouraging sign early in the season, Rangers are 12-4-3, so we are 19 games into the regular season, approaching the quarter mark here, really just just right behind the quarter mark. And something that the Rangers have done a great job at this season is taking care of business against bad teams. And I'm not saying that the Islanders are a bad team, but certainly they were in a compromised state tonight with so many players unavailable. And it's just one of those games you look at it and you say, you know what, that's going to be two points. You know, home, on the road, whatever it might be, the Rangers have to take two points out of, off of an Islander team that is missing 10 players. And so they did that. But it kind of uh, just kind of builds on this theme that the Rangers have already established this season. To begin with, the Rangers are 12-4-3. Like we said, they've won six out of their last seven. So they've lost just a total of seven games the entire season. Here are the teams that the Rangers have lost to since the beginning of the season here. They are all pretty much good teams. There's one team that I think you'd look at it and say, okay, the Rangers definitely should have won that game. But in order from least recent to most recent, these are the seven Ranger losses that they've suffered so far this season. So opening night, they lose a road game against the Capitals. I know a lot of us are not exactly Capital fans right now, but you got to give them their due. They are a very good team year in and year out. They then lost at home in the second game of the season uh, against the Stars in overtime. That one's kind of iffy. I mean, the Stars seem like kind of a middle-of-the-road team. They're hovering right around 500 right now. Uh, But certainly, I would not say that they are a bad team. So then, uh, the third loss of the season was at home against the Flames. Flames look great. I mean, they're on top of their division right now. Then they lost at the Canucks. And that's the one, to me, that I think you would really want back if you're a Ranger fan. The Canucks have struggled mightily this season. And on top of that, the Rangers were up two to nothing going into the third period. So that's the lone exception to this role where I would I think it's fair game to say that the Rangers uh, lost to a bad team. Then they lost at the Oilers, and this was another blown lead in the third period. But on the other hand, it's the Edmonton Oilers, and they are a darn good team. So I think that kind of uh, applies to what I'm saying here. Uh, the Rangers not losing to any bad teams. And then you had another loss against the Flames. This time was in Calgary. Another blowout against the Flames, and then a loss at Toronto. Toronto's a very good team as well. So. Again, Rangers are not losing to bad teams. And in fact, if you look at some of the bad teams that they've played so far, at least I don't want to say all these teams are terrible because they're not. But these are teams that the Rangers, if you're a fan of the Rangers, you expect them to beat. You expect them to finish in front of at the end of the season. And you expect the Rangers to probably be in the playoffs with teams like this possibly on the outside looking in. And the Rangers, you know, just to kind of illustrate my point here, they've defeated the Columbus Blue Jackets twice. They've beaten the Montreal Canadiens twice. They beat the Devils. They beat the Sabres. So a, a really nice theme is forming here. As we approach the core point of the season, the Rangers handling their business against teams that they should beat. That is the sign of a good team, a team that does not play down to its competition, and a team that is pretty much ready to go every single game. And that's not to say they dominated all those games that I just mentioned, but they found a way to get it done and uh, beat them you know, in the end, and they did the same thing against this Islander team that was obviously compromised with missing so many players here tonight. With that said, though, I do feel like I hate the term trap game, and I try to stay as far away from cliches on here as I possibly can. But I will say, you know, it's one of those games where if you're the Rangers, I mean, if we as fans are aware of the fact that, you know, they got so many guys out of their lineup, obviously the Rangers themselves are aware of that as well. And it's one of those games where, you know, it, it could, in a weird roundabout way, 
work in the Islander favor. And I don't want to sit here and say that it's to the Islanders' advantage that so many guys were out of the lineup, but it does become something of a tricky game for the Rangers when you just look at the simple fact that, you know, there's a lot of guys playing on this Islander team that are up from the AHL, guys that are off in healthy scratches, whatever it might be. These guys are hungry and they want to try to impress some people and do everything they can to stick in the lineup, even when guys start getting healthy and start coming back. Um, again, it by no means is an advantage for the Islanders. It's obviously a tremendous advantage for the Rangers that the Islanders were missing so many players, but you see where this becomes a little bit of a tricky game and you could see in the first two periods I mean it's not like the Rangers blew them out and just kind of ran them out of the building they didn't uh, the Islanders were playing hard a lot of uh you know, young and experienced players, I'm sure, trying to make a favorable impression. Now, obviously, the Rangers pulled away late, and that was obviously very nice to see. But uh, yeah, you know, it's something that certainly could have been considered at least a little bit of a tricky game uh, for this New York Ranger team. And Igor Shesterkin, you know, another big-time game for him tonight. He entered play at 0-4-1 against the New York Islanders, did not have good career numbers against the Rangers' crosstown rival here. So it was nice to see him finally pick up his first career victory against the Islanders. And, you know, another really solid performance. He's had better games in this, uh, games that were more chock full of, you know, highlight reel saves. But I think in this one, it was quality over quantity. Igor stops 20 of 21 shots and just another uh, really solid performance between the pipes for somebody that is emerging, as we all know, as one of the elite goalies in this league. And on the other side of the rink, you had Semyon Varlamov, who has absolutely positively owned the Rangers, uh, especially last season. I think even the season before that. So, I can't be alone in having this feeling that it was just awesome to see the Rangers finally light him up, burn him for some goals. I mean, there were times where he didn't have a ton of help, and obviously, again, the, the Islanders were shorthanded. I can't emphasize that enough. But be that as it may, uh, the Rangers finally getting some pucks past Semyon Varlamov, and we might as well go ahead and um, you know just kind of break down the Ranger goals. This is a, a really fun night seeing Kevin Rooney score twice, seeing the fourth line do their thing, seeing Chris Kreider just continue his torrid start to the start of the season here, and it's just a feeling right now when you watch this Ranger team that it's somebody different that can get you on every single night. Somebody steps up every single night for this New York Ranger team, and we will talk about that in just a second. So we will get into the Ranger goals and kind of break them down in just a second here. But first, I just wanted to give a big time shout out to the Ranger penalty kill unit. Uh, they stepped up big time in this game. The Rangers took too many penalties. I suppose if there's one negative from this game, it would be that. Uh, they took or excuse me, the Islanders ended up with six power play opportunities, but they go 0 for 6 on the main advantage thanks to just some... Uh, Really hard-nosed, uh, great penalty killing by a lot of different skaters on the New York Rangers. In fact, the Rangers ended up with eight different skaters. They logged three minutes and 55 seconds or more of shorthanded time on the ice. And I'll just kind of run through those guys real quick here because, again, this is part of the reason why the Rangers won this game. It's not like they blew out the Islanders early. The Islanders had some power play opportunities. They could not convert, uh, due in large part, first of all, to Igor Shesterkin, but uh, also to these guys as well who were out on the ice for a lot of time while the Rangers were down a man. I mean, you start with Kevin Rooney, five minutes and one second. What else is new? I mean, this guy always delivers on the PK. And then Chris Kreider, he was out there for four minutes and eight seconds. Barclay Goodrow, almost six minutes, five minutes and 47 seconds, a shorthand in time for Barclay Goodrow. Mika Zibanejad with five minutes and 18 seconds. You had Jacob Truba with five minutes and 13 seconds. Patrick Nemeth with three minutes and 55 seconds. Adam Fox with 3.59. And Ryan Lingren, once again, with almost six minutes, five minutes and 47 seconds of PK time. And even 
even the other two Ranger defensemen, Nils Lundqvist and Keandre Miller, you know, they're not out there on the uh, penalty kill all that often, but with the Rangers spending so much time in the penalty box, I suppose it was only a matter of time before they uh, got a look out there, and Nils Lundqvist and Keandre Miller each had a minute and 40 seconds of PK time. Uh, again, just a really solid team win here in the penalty kill, stepping up big for this New York Ranger team, but let's get to some really fun stuff, and that, of course, is the four goals that the Rangers scored in this game here tonight. Chris Kreider gets the party started just 29 seconds into the second period. This was after the Rangers drew a penalty just six seconds into the second, and then they subsequently convert on the man advantage here. Chris Kreider's in deep. As always, you know, you get Fox passing to Ryan Strom. Strom's in kind of the right face-off circle area, and he sends it in deep for Kreider. And we've seen Kreider score a lot of just beautiful tipping goals this season, but this one really takes the cake for me because he wasn't even really all that close to the net. I mean, he was in the vicinity, but he wasn't in front of the net. He wasn't in the crease like he so often is. He wasn't really screening the goalie. He was off to the side there. And Strom plays the puck toward Kreider, and Kreider, you know, moves his stick a little bit, I think, to his right, and it deflects off of his stick and just goes into the net under the left arm, the glove hand of Semyon Varlamov, and just like that, the Rangers have a game-long lead of one to nothing. And, and what else can you say about Chris Kreider? Just having a phenomenal start to the season. And big-time shout-out to Ryan Strom as well. That was his 10th assist of the season. And he somewhat quietly has a seven-game point streak that he's currently in the middle of. He has one goal and seven assists in that time. So obviously good stuff from Ryan Strom there as well. And I believe I said earlier that Ryan Reeves had two primary assists. Apparently I lied. This first one was a secondary assist, but nevertheless a great play uh, by all three guys on the fourth line. You had Barclay Goodrow stealing the puck in the neutral zone, going up the center of the ice, dishing to his right to Ryan Reeves. Reeves centers it back to Barclay Goodrow, and the puck ends up behind the net, but Goodrow retrieves it. Puts it back into the crease, and uh, Kevin Rooney's there crashing the net, and he's there for an easy stuff-in goal. So that made it 2 to nothing Rangers at that point. And then this third goal was just a thing of beauty. The Rangers have a face-off in their own zone, and Kevin Rooney wins it back to the corner. Patrick Nemeth retrieves it, does a nice job getting to the puck quickly, moving the puck up the boards and out of the zone. And then you have Kevin Rooney moving the puck up ahead to Ryan Reeves. Reeves goes in up the left side and makes a great move, you know, as he's approaching the net. And just a brilliant backhand pass to Kevin Rooney, and Rooney buries it. So uh, awesome to see this fourth line continue to produce. And this is something else that I've been talking about on here. We know that the Rangers at times have scuffled, not always had their best shift on the goal, excuse me, on the shift that immediately follows a goal. And granted, this was not the immediate shift after the goal, but this was the second shift after a goal, and only 20 seconds after the Ra after the Islanders had scored to make the score 2-1, to one, uh, the Rangers strike back here. I will continue to shout this from my rooftop. If you're looking for a go-to line to put on the ice after a goal is scored, specifically a goal by the opposition, this is the line. The fourth line goes out there, and they make things happen. If nothing else, you know that they're going to have the puck in the offensive zone, so this was awesome to see. You know, not only do they get possession, and kind of swing the momentum back in the favor of the Rangers a little bit, but they actually score a goal here. And just like that, you know, I got a, I got the feeling that if you're a player on the Islanders, you can't help but hang your head a little bit there because, you know, you're playing hard to this point in the game. You've cut the lead to 2-1. to one. You've got the whole third period in front of you. You got a chance to maybe uh, steal one here from the Rangers. But just like that, the Ranger fourth line goes up the ice on a rush. And just like that, you're right back into a two-goal hole uh, down 3-1 to one at that point, thanks to Kevin Rooney's second goal of the game and an absolutely brilliant Panarin-esque pass from Ryan Reeves, of all people. So very, very cool to see that fourth line get rewarded, uh, like I was saying a minute ago. 
And then to uh, kind of round out the scoring for the Rangers on this night here, you had the Islanders attempting to move the puck out of their own zone, and they turn it over. Capocacco with a short little pass to Chris Kreider. Kreider backhand pass to Mika Zibanejad, and you could just tell these guys were on the same page here. Uh, Kreider immediately after dumping the puck to Mika, uh, makes his move to the front of the net, and Mika with an excellent saucer pass across the crease to Kreider. Kreider with yet another tipping goal from the doorstep. I mean, what else can you even say at this point? Just phenomenal hockey from Chris Kreider all around, and a beautiful pass from Mika Zibanejad here. Uh, if he had not saucered this, it's entirely possible that the Islander defenseman might have been able to get his stick on the puck and break up this scoring opportunity, but Zibanejad, you know, puts a little bit of air under the puck, and Kreider's there, and these two, it's like clockwork. And then the only other thing that I wanted to talk about here before we call it a night is the uh, fisticuffs at the end of the game, and specifically the incident that started this whole, you know, kind of uh, chain reaction here. You had Pajot with a really questionable hit on Ryan Lindgren. You know, it was just an awkward collision, and it looked like Pajot's shoulder uh, got a piece of, you know, Lindgren's cheek, and Lindgren went down in a heap. Now, Lindgren ended up coming back to the bench toward the end of the game, and he was smiling, so I can only assume that, you know, he's going to be okay. But after this happened, you had Adam Fox. You know, we don't see Fox get all that aggressive. We don't see him lose his cool out there all that often, but he went right after Pajot, kind of grabbed him from behind and, and kind of wrestled him down to the ice, and then you get a big skirmish, a big get-together, bunch of Rangers and Islanders, you know, coming together at that point, and Fox ends up getting called for a penalty here. Lingering goes to the locker room, which is 6.23 left in the contest, uh, but Gerard Gallant was heated on the bench. I mean, this is as mad as I've seen him get since he's been the coach of the New York Rangers. Uh, he was giving the referee an earful, and rightfully so, because this happened right in front of the official. He's got to see this, and it just sucks that, uh, you know, the Islanders got a, a power play out of it. I mean, imagine if this was a one-goal game and the Islanders are gifted a man advantage out of this. Now, maybe if that was the case, Adam Fox would have kind of, uh, you know, shown a little bit of restraint and not done what he did, but I fully support Adam Fox's decision to go after uh, Pajot here. And then you had a situation a few minutes later where Alexi Lafreniere jumped Pajot and uh, landed some punches. You know, Lafreniere, I don't know, was this Lafreniere's first fight in the NHL? I think it might have been. It, it, it was at least his first five-minute major penalty, you know, his first official fight. Uh, we've seen him, you know, mix it up in some skirmishes every now and then, but I think this was his first five-minute major. And uh, like I said, uh, Lafreniere won this one by decision. I don't know that he landed any Big-time haymakers, but Pajot's nose was bleeding, so he must have gotten at least one good one in there. Although, uh, right before this, Lafreniere actually kind of tripped Pajot to the ice, so maybe Pajot's nose got damaged on that one. I mean, who knows? But, uh, yeah, Lafreniere definitely won this fight. They both go off. There's less than five minutes remaining, so they obviously head to their respective locker rooms. But you saw Barclay Goodrow go over, kind of pat Alexi Lafreniere on the head. And good luck for Lafreniere. You know, I know he's kind of slowed back down a little bit, at least as far as the points are concerned. I do like what I've seen from that third line overall. Uh, but nice to see that... You know, Alexi Lafreniere, he's going to go out there and stand up for his teammates if uh, the occasion calls for it. So uh, good stuff there from Lafreniere. And then you had one more fight before this game ended, Dryden Hunt against Andrioff with 13 seconds to go. It's funny because it looked like uh, Hunt and Wallstrom were going to be the two that were going to fight, and then Andrioff kind of pulled Hunt down from behind. I, I don't know what Andrioff was doing sticking his nose in there. I mean, I guess it's the end of the game and it's just a melee, but, I mean, it looked like Hunt was challenging Wallstrom, not Andrioff. And then Andrioff just kind of attacked Hunt from behind there. But it is what it is. And bottom line, we might not be done with this because the Rangers and the Islanders are going to play each other in just one, two, three, four days. They will be at home. 
The Rangers will be at home, that is, against the New York Islanders on Sunday at 6 p.m., so that's going to be a good one. Before that, the Rangers will be playing an afternoon game on Friday at the Boston Bruins, so that'll be interesting to see as well. First matchup with the Bruins this season, uh, always a good rivalry matchup, but uh, that will pretty much do it for today, guys. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be breaking down everything that happens between the Rangers and the Bruins. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms.